welcome to the Microchip Is podcast. Join your host, Mike Maynard, as he learns about the technologies, products, and people that make microchip technology what it is today. Welcome to the Microchip Is podcast. I'm Mike Maynard, and I'm finding out more about the different business units and activities of Microchip. Today, I'm talking to Chelsea Collymore. Chelsea is a marketing specialist in the automotive business unit. Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. Thank you. It's great to have you on. I mean, to start off with, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about your role at Microchip? Absolutely. So I am a digital marketer. Um, I work in automotive. I'm dedicated to automotive. I work to provide clarity to some of the content that goes online and also to collect the competitive and segment strategies that I see that are available online from other companies. That's great. So you're not an engineer then? I'm not, no. I'm one of the few that are not in the square technical area. (laughs) It's great to meet someone who's, you know, coming from outside technology, but still working in such a technical company. So I think this is going to be a fun discussion. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I love the role. That's fantastic. And I mean, let's let's kick off. I mean, Microchip is pretty well known as an automotive supplier, certainly in the sector, people know Microchip. How many products does the automotive division actually manufacture? So the automotive product group has a very special priority of making sure that products that are available kind of across all of the various segments are brought into automotive and made part of the automotive ecosystem with various stages of engineering, such as ISO 26262 and the AutoZar capabilities. We have a lot of criteria that we have engineers working on that all of the products that get welcomed into the automotive products group have to meet. So we have quite a few that are kind of general products most people would be familiar with. And then we have specialized products as well. So that's really interesting. So you're almost a resource that helps different business units actually create products that then can be sold into the automotive market. Is that that really what you're doing? Very much so, yes. And we also help identify the gaps in the market or the trends and bring those to the business units so that they can better answer those solutions, such as, you know, the emerging trends like ADAS and e-mobility. That's fantastic. So when we look at automotive, you know, one of the areas I'm interested in is where does microchip strengths lie? Because you've mentioned a huge range of different products. So where do you actually feel you're really strong? So there's certain um, areas within a vehicle that are probably considered more mature, but features that have become standardized in the mechanical to digital transformation. So you'll see things like car access and wireless connectivity, Ethernet, the networking, working with the central compute. Security is another really important area where we show up. So notoriously, there have been some really dramatic white hat, black hat experts who've been able to hack the various car manufacturers. And so security became very important. And so we have those nodes as well. You mentioned as well, it's not just the products, but you're also taking the information back about the gaps in the market, talking to um, different business units to help them develop new products to solve the problems that automotive engineers have. I mean, are there particular applications you're focusing on or even trends that you think are particularly important? 
True. We have like application leads who oversee the trends that are very important. And yes, there are a few that stand out. So very emerging, very leading edge is the LIDAR. So I think we've heard a lot about LIDAR in recent, especially if you're, you know, watching investment opportunities, we've probably seen it there the most. Very, very new market segment. And although LIDAR is being used in geomapping and it's being used maybe in defense, it's not necessarily been incorporated into road and transportation yet. So those are starting to evolve. Uh, we do have a project lead for that. We have a lot of lighting. So you'll see internal lighting. When I look at the opportunities on the market, I've seen very creative solutions for lighting and it just gets more and more um, complex. I guess what had to happen was the consumer had to accept a different lighting strategy within the vehicle. And that took a while. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these markets emerge kind of at the same time is that part of what the automotive mechanical to digital age has made us do is adopt somewhere where we weren't naturally doing it with products. So now we're starting to adapt in those areas and um, lighting is one of those. So one of the creative things I've seen is to black out the interior of the vehicle and then project a scene onto the interior window for the passenger in the back, which that's something I never in a million years would have thought of on my own. So that's kind of bringing almost the drive-in movie into the car, is it? Yeah, exactly. It creates a whole different passenger experience. And that's that's actually probably not something that we'll see anytime soon, but it is out there. What we deal with more is like the matrix lighting and the interior lighting that it's, I would almost call it mood lighting. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I think the consumer would consider it that it's like the the lighting would be a little softer than those bright bulbs and the direct lamps that we're used to. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you talked about LiDAR, which is obviously highly technical. Presumably that's being driven by, you know, the um, automated driving and driver assistance uh, trends that we're seeing. Yes, it is. And it's definitely driven by the needs of those markets becoming more mature. So the various tasks that ADAS has to perform has become more and more scientific, I guess, is the way to say it. So yeah, you have to have better availability of technology. And so light detection and ranging is something that is, it, it, it's like sonar in concept. So, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. So it's using light in order to map and it's creating three-dimensional awareness. And it's just a very fast way to transmit information that is being done currently by camera and recognition sensors. So it's a really interesting segment, the LIDAR. One of the things that's happened is there's been a lot of like promoters and detractors from the technology. And, and so there's various uh, champions and there's others who are questioning its legitimacy in the design of a vehicle. And that's really well known. Everybody's kind of talking about that right now. Um, we'll see where that goes. Right now, as we watch the market, we actually see brand new companies be bought and transition into something larger and become part of an OEM. We see other ones just disappear. And so it's a very unsettled area right now. I mean, that, that's interesting. You've got, you know, an area of technology where there's some people who are promoting it, some people are perhaps less keen. 
I mean, I guess one area of technology in automotive that is pretty definitely going to happen is electric vehicles, and it's happening now. So obviously, you do a lot more than just the technology behind LiDAR. How's electric vehicle deployment affecting the division strategy? Yeah, electric vehicles are part of two megatrends that we have identified. So electric vehicles and ADAS are the two. Electric vehicles have a much stronger market in Asia and Europe right now. The Americas are obviously in the news because there's a lot of legislation. There's a lot of um, incentives to be becoming an electric market. California recently declared that they would be selling all electric vehicles. I don't know if that's familiar to everyone by a certain date. I think it's 2030 even. Companies long ago started positioning towards zero emissions. So once they went through their zero emission strategies, they started to adopt a larger zero vision. Their zero vision started becoming zero roadway fatalities. That's how ADAS started to become so strong. It started to you know, be zero impact on sustainability. It really became importance of supply chain. So obviously e-mobility is hugely important. The evolution of EV is what's going to make a lot of those things come true. OEMs are extremely aggressive about their statements when it comes to the zero initiatives. And you'll see them begin to have markers. They've marked 2030 as a very important date for rolling out their EV strategy. And actually, it is very aggressive when you see the sales for the Americas. You'll see, or specifically the United States sales, you'll see 10%, 12% as the current EV sales in the leading states. And that goes down to about 3 4%. Um, so 2030 is a very aggressive strategy for an OEM. The other milestone, the market that they've set is 2050. So 2050 seems a little more realistic, in my opinion, when I watch the market. I'm probably not the best person to analyze the <laughs> automotive market. But yeah, I do think they're possibly going to be to the point where the shift has happened and we have seen the transition to EV by 2050. It's incredible. I mean, with all this you know, additional electronics, whether it's through ADAS or just control of EVs, I mean, one of the terms I've heard is, is um, cars are becoming data centers on wheels. Is that something you're you're seeing and thinking about as well in the group? Absolutely. So what's really interesting is very mature technologies that we're used to in our homes and offices. Those are now becoming legitimate options within a vehicle. And that was never the case before. I think the biggest challenge was keeping a constant connectivity, a wireless connectivity to a vehicle. So we saw that come through telematics at one point, and that's like the OnStar system, that's GMs, but each OEM has various solutions within telematics. Originally, it was for safety that we saw it take hold. And actually, even now, when I listen to the podcasts of people making predictions for transportation, safety is still the number one driver for a lot of these adoptions. And so when you think about safety within a vehicle, you need latency. You need to be able to transmit information very quickly. You need very strong and robust um, methods of networking. And so we kind of are reaching the limitations of CAN, the CAN bus system. CAN is still 
extremely reliable and it's proven. And so anything that's reliable and proven within vehicles, it's very hard to make the change to get away from that for the purpose of safety. But Ethernet has very much proven itself. We've gotten to the point where our Ethernet software capabilities are able to integrate just seamlessly. And so from central computers, we're able to transmit a lot more data or we can collect a lot more data. We can um, then transmit over-the-air updates. We can transmit communications analysis from real time from the roadway. And that has made a major difference. So that's been the stall there. And what's nice is that most of the technologies that are now the solution for the vehicle are technologies we know and trust and we've proven in other ways. It's just now they're in the vehicle. I guess one of the concerns, you know, I've seen about this massive increase in technology, you've got the effectively the data center and the communications is security. I mean, you did hint at that earlier, Chelsea. So how important is security in the automotive sector? Yeah, security is interesting. I would say it's probably the number one most important feature. And although it's one of those things where it's not something that most people identify as being critical, but the recent history of vehicle hacking has been very extreme. There's a lot of college students who are, you know, trying to prove a thesis and they hacked vehicles. You know, the whole market hears about it and it makes news and people are terrified because it's, you know, once they've posted what they can do, it becomes easy to do. This has happened a number of times and it clearly was not anticipated. And so I've heard, I've actually asked um, our colleagues whether or not they have heard of some of these hacking incidents. And there was one that was pretty famous, I believe it was the University of Washington. And you'll find it if you look into any of these online. And they were able to hack through the can. And they made a lot of driving adjustments while the vehicle was in motion. And that became pretty famous. And I guess I was told that there was kind of this ruffle or ripple effect that went through the market and suddenly security was not just, you know, something that was considered important. It was something that was critical and mandatory and and needs to be in place. And so hardware is the solution there. And what our vehicle hardware does is it uses encryption. And so I'm going to use the word nodes. Nodes is kind of dangerous in technology because people use the vocabulary in different ways. But in the various nodes, you'll have independent security hardware. And that hardware is encrypting from one to the next. And so if they manage to get through one, they still have layers that they have to get through. And that's very important. And you also have some of the trust products as well, I guess, to ensure that you authenticate correctly. Is is that another area that the automotive sector is looking at? Absolutely, yeah. And currently we have a product, the DSPIC 33, which is a new release that is integrated with Trust Anchor. So that is the first time that we've had something that powerful in our MCU and catalog. And it is an integrated feature. So it's kind of similar to the concept of peripherals, which we use in our other products. It's something that they can and should use in their network strategies. You're obviously supplying, you know, 
an awful lot of different components for different areas in automotive, it must be quite hard to continue to grow as an automotive supplier. I mean, what do you see as the challenges Microchip needs to overcome to continue to be so successful? Yeah, I think that the competitive market is very challenging. So we had kind of a clash of dynamics and they were good for business, but it is challenging. So we had, um, as most people know, we had extreme demand. So uh, automotive has a lot of new features. The new features come in a very competitive environment. The engineering is often unique and maybe not so mature. And so often they need new products. And because of that, we have to have new engineering. And so at a time of high demand, that became a really difficult market to be a supplier in. And it it made international headlines, obviously. <laughs> so I think most people are familiar and aware that that's going on. When I actually first started, it's just a small anecdote. I was wondering if part of the marketing um, strategy was going to be kind of like putting out fires because of the high demand, because there's so so much in the online and there's so much in the media right now that focuses on the shortage. And so we also have uh, geopolitical considerations taking place at the same time. So these are just compounding problems and it's not made it easy. It's not made it easy to always be right you know, lockstep with the leading edge. And so it, communication is extremely important in making sure that our availability for the OEMs and the various suppliers and distributors that we're here, we can, you know, get in the project as early as possible. We understand the needs of that um, is very important. But then also for them to be able to openly engineer with us is important. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it sounds like as a group within Microchip, you do an awful lot of work with a lot of other business units because there's such a wide range of products. I mean, how important is automotive to Microchip overall? It's extremely important. So we have, the company has identified and focused on investing into megatrends, and that is a global effort. And as it happens, two of the major market segments within automotive are two of the megatrends, which is ADAS and EV. So we oversee a lot of product capability, and we oversee a lot of new technology for microchip. That's amazing. I mean, it, it's been really fascinating talking to you. We've covered so many different things. If there was one thing you'd like listeners to take away about microchip and what microchip is in automotive, what would that be? I think that microchip is a dedicated partner is, is probably the most important thing to take away. I've talked to so many BUs. I've talked to, including our customer service representatives and our, you know, internal audit representatives. I look at just absolutely everyone and they are dedicated to be partners in engineering with any new product that comes through and, and they're capable and aware of the market conditions. And I think that's extremely important. They're also in a very creative engineering environment 
and they are in demand among engineers. As a current market, I don't think it could get any more exciting for a lot of these engineers. That's awesome. I, I mean, that's a really great place to to end it. But before we go, I, I'm just interested. You're obviously, you know, come from a non-technical background. Is there any bit of engineering advice or information that's really stood out to you as being particularly interesting or useful? Yeah, so I have scrambled. There's actually um, a lot of online semiconductor education from things like edX. So Purdue has a lot of available learning. You know, there's a lot of available literature that actually for the last 20 years, there's been a fair amount that's just been pouring out about factory manufacturing of semiconductors. I think right now we're seeing a lot of demand, especially in EV for silicon carbide. I had to kind of understand what made silicon carbide unique. And from my understanding, it's the bandwidth of the of the gap. It, it allows for higher temperatures and higher voltages. That's because the crystal form is essentially, it's like a natural doping with gallium is how I understand it. So it has a little more strength and it's a little more robust in what it's able to handle. And so we see that in high heat and that comes up a lot in EV. Most of what you can, you know, what I've had to learn in order to understand these technologies I've learned from online learning sources like edX, we have an extremely robust internal technology library of training and development. And so I was able to learn from there. I was able to learn from my colleagues. And I also have used a lot of literature that's available. That's great. And I mean, one of the things listeners can do is one of the other podcasts in our series is going to look at what microchip is in silicon carbide. So it's great you've placed a link there to that uh, business unit as well. Yeah, they're great. That team is actually really fantastic to work with. They have a technology that is gaining traction, which is pretty exciting for, you know, a manufacturer of technologies that are more mature. They are more leading edge. And so they're in a lot of uh, high heat, high voltage applications. And they also, I think they have low radiation as well. So that brings them into defense, which makes them pretty cool too, I think. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I mean, Chelsea, this has been fascinating. I, I'm really interested to know, you know, if people want to ask you questions about, you know, the automotive activities at Microchip, what's the best way to get in contact with you? They can reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm on, on Chels Callmore. Most people call me Chels, so you're welcome to call me Chels as well. And anytime, reach out. I would love to talk more about the market and market trends. Chels, thank you very much for everything you've covered. It's such a broad range of things. Really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Microchip Is podcast. Please follow us on your favourite podcast platform to keep learning about the many technologies, products and people that make Microchip what it is today.